entitled The Obedience Series. And this week, we're going to look at the struggle of obedience. Now, what's going to end up happening is this is actually going to be a two-part struggle of obedience. Uh, so this is going to be part one this week. And then make sure you tune in next week for part two of this series, The Struggle of Obedience. So I want you to get this. Now, if this is your first time joining us and you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you happen to be watching on our Facebook page, make sure you like and follow the page. And by doing that, that'll keep you up to date with what's going on and what's happening in the club. Just so you know, we are here every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And one of the things we, we love to do or say about the Bible Study Club is really three things, actually. Our desire here is to get you to open God's Word. Once you open it, we want to help you discover the truth in God's Word. And then we want to help you apply that truth uh, because it's in the application that the transformation happens. And so all of that will help you move forward in your walk with Jesus. And that is exactly what we are here to do. I also, I want to encourage you to keep sending in uh, emails and letters and, and comments and questions and prayer requests. You can send those, by the way, to hello at thebiblestudyclub.com. And the reason why I want you to do that is because I try to get back to and answer every single one. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer than others, but I try to get back to everyone. And also, if you have a specific question, uh, it could be any type of Bible question or life question, doesn't matter. Just just send those in and we will do our best and I'll do my best and, and get back to you with an answer. And who knows, I might just start reading some of those questions on air. Don't worry, your name will be left out. But uh, just because if you have that question, other people might have a similar one. And so that answer could be a blessing to lots of people. So please send those in again to hello at the Bible study club com because we definitely want to uh, make sure we answer those for you. So let's open in prayer and then let's kind of turn our attention to what we're going to do here today. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I ask tonight that your truth would be transformational in the lives of every single person that would hear this and listen to it. And I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Now, before we move forward, I just want to kind of summarize a little bit of what we talked about last week. As you know, the title of this series is The Obedience Series. And last week, we talked about the necessity of obedience. And one of the things we said was that this is a spotlight series where we're turning the spotlight on ourselves. And one of those key verses was Psalm 139 verse 23 and 24. Just to refresh your memory, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious ways or anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. I also want to remind you of our definition of obedience, because this is important. We're using this throughout this whole series. And obedience is a demonstration by your actions of what you profess with your mouth 
and what you truly believe in your heart. And by the way, if you missed last week's session, it's available on our YouTube page or on our Facebook page. So I encourage you to go and listen to it. Uh, that'll catch you up to where we are. One of the things we did also is that we focused on three things. We said that obedience is an act of the will. We said obedience is an act of warfare. And we said that obedience is an act of worship. And so this week, we're kind of highlighting or locking into that second one, obedience as an act of warfare, because the title of this session is what's called the struggle of obedience. And it's in that struggle, that's where the warfare is happening. Now, I want you to understand, once you become a Christian, you begin fighting a war on two fronts. You know, back in World War II, the United States, they fought a war on two fronts. They had the war in the Pacific, which was primarily against Japan, and then they had the war in Europe, where you had the allies and the Axis powers that were fighting each other. And as a Christian, you are also fighting a war on two fronts. You have this external battle that you fight, and you fight that against your enemy, the devil, who wars against you, trying to, to defeat the purpose of God in your life. But then you also have this internal struggle with your sinful nature or with your flesh. And so as a believer, you are fighting a battle, a war on two fronts. And so the question I want to consider, right, we're calling this the struggle of obedience. So here's the question that I want you to think about for a moment. Why do you struggle with obedience? Have you ever thought about that question? There are three key issues that we're going to deal with over the next two weeks. Um, tonight, however, we're just going to deal with the first part of this and answering this question of, why do you struggle with obedience? And the first part of that, it's because it's an issue of your flesh or an issue of your sinful nature, okay? So why do we struggle with obedience? First and foremost, it's an issue of your flesh. Now, to help us here, we need to go to Romans chapter 7. This is going to be our text for tonight. Romans chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 14 and go read from there. Paul makes just an absolute incredible kind of uh, statement on this whole struggle of obedience. And we're going to go through this uh, verse by verse. But before we get there, I just want to highlight a couple of things. First things first, uh, it's important to recognize this, that all disobedience is sin. Okay. In other words, disobedience is just a long word for sin. That's really what it is. And you can disobey by the things that you do. However, you can also disobey by what you don't do. Uh, when I was growing up, I don't know if they still teach this in church, but there are still sins. There are sins of commission, right? Acts that you commit, uh, commit rather, and then there are sins of omission, uh, sinning by what you don't do or what you leave out or what you admit. I think James says, if you know the good that you're supposed to do and you don't do it, then that is sin. So that's a sin of omission. 
Now, let's turn our attention to Romans. Romans chapter 7, uh, starting at verse 14. I'm going to read the verses all the way through, and then we're going to go through in a step-by-step format to really get through this. So let me just read it, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. (laughs) When you read this, what you really see is you see this struggle of obedience. And so let's look at this. Let's kind of pick this apart, starting at verse 14. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. First thing I want you to understand is that God's commands are good. (laughs) They are holy. They are just. They are fair. They are good. So the problem is not with the command. It's not that the command is bad. That's not where the problem is. The trouble is within our own heart or our sinful nature. Paul says it like this, right? For the trouble is not with the law, if it's spiritual and good, the trouble is with me, right? So if you are struggling with the commands of God, it's not because the commands are bad. It's because of the sinful nature that dwells within you. Remember, you're fighting a war on two fronts, and obedience is an act of warfare. Look at verse 15. I don't really understand myself. For what I want, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Have you ever asked or told yourself these words? Think about it. I don't really understand what or why I am doing this. Have you ever asked yourself, if you've done that, just just give me a shout out and say, hey, yeah, I've done that. I understand it, right? I don't understand why am I doing this? Or I'm the only, am I the only one, right? Have you ever said like me, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to myself and I'll say, Clarence, why are you doing this? Have you ever done that, right? You look at yourself and you say, why am I doing this? I can think of times when I was on my way to do something, 
that I shouldn't be doing, and I knew I shouldn't been doing it. And as I'm on the way there, and even doing the thing that I shouldn't be doing, I'm asking myself, why are you doing this? Have you ever felt that way? Can you relate to that feeling that Paul was feeling, right? This is what's going on, that warfare where, and I find it interesting. Here's what he says. He says, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, notice the language here. I do what I hate. I, I, I just think that's such powerful language. I do what I hate. In other words, the thing that I despise, the thing that I don't really want to do, the thing that I'm so against, the thing that I just bothers me so much, I hate this thing. And yet that's exactly the thing that I do. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt trapped? Like you feel like, man, I don't want to do this anymore, but I'm still doing it anyway. <clears throat> if you feel that way, that's because there's this war, this sinful nature that is living inside of you. Now, here's a side note, by the way, and I want you to get this. This is really important. If you are agonizing over sin, if it's eating you up over the choices you make, the bad decisions that you make, you know they're not good, then here's what I want you to understand. That is actually a good thing. Conviction over sin means that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is still working in your life. What you are experiencing when you have this struggle is that is the warfare. And I want you to understand something, by the way. Temptation is not the equivalent of sin. There are two, those are two different things. Don't get it confused. Sometimes we think because we're being tempted that we are in a bad, we're sinning. And that is not true. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is temptation. Sin is sin, okay? So if you are tempted, that does not mean you are sinning. If you are tempted, that means exactly what it is. You are being enticed or wooed or moved to try to move towards sin or commit sin does not mean you are actually in the act of sin, okay? Now, I will say this. If you stick around temptation too long, there's a good probability that you're going to fall into sin. That's just the way the sinful nature works. But the fact that you're being tempted is not sin in itself, all right? Now, if you don't feel conviction, if you can do whatever you want to do, disobey God, sin, live any old way you want, and you never feel conviction, that, my friend, is a dangerous place to be. That is a problem, a big problem, and I want you to be aware of it. So if you are feeling conviction, if you are feeling that tug of war, if you are feeling that warfare going on where you're, the thing you want to do, you're not doing, and you're doing the thing that you hate doing, all right, if you feel that conviction, that pull, that tug of war, that's a good thing. That means the Spirit of God is working in you, trying to move you away from the thing that he knows isn't good for you and move you into the thing that is good for you. And by the way, here's a, here's a truth. Obeying God is always a good thing. You will never go wrong if you choose to obey God. I'm not saying it's always the easy thing, but I am saying that it's always the good thing. You cannot, you will not go wrong if you choose to obey God. So obey God 
okay? Now, let's turn our attention to verse number 16. It says, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Now, here's what's fascinating. As Christians, we know what is the right thing to do, and we know what is the wrong thing to do. In fact, you know for a fact when you are going to do something that's wrong. Can we, can we be honest, right? Let's not play those kind of games, right? Let's be real here. You know exactly when you are doing something that is wrong, when you are walking in a direction that's wrong, when you're engaging in an activity that's wrong. And one of the reasons is because the Spirit of God convicts you, but when you acknowledge that it's wrong, what you're saying is that God, what you have uh, what you want me to do, your word, your decree, your law, your command is good. Your command is right. So when you agree that that is wrong, I'm sorry, when you admit or know or recognize that that is wrong, you are agreeing with God that his way is good. Okay, we need to understand that. So verse 17, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So again, this brings us back to the problem. The problem is not the command. We just acknowledge that the command is good. So if the command is good, then the problem isn't the command. The problem is our heart or your sinful nature. That's the problem. And so here's what I need you to understand. There are actually two yous. <laughs> now, what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. There is the Holy Spirit you. And then there is the flesh you. And so let me define both of these yous, right? The Holy Spirit you is the you that is gentle and loving and merciful and gracious and kind and good and, and does the right thing and says the right thing. That's the spirit of God in you. But you have this fleshly you, this sinful nature that dwells in you, that sometimes when you're short or when you fly up the handle or when you say the wrong thing or when you think the wrong thing or when that, you know, that coworker says something and the words just flow so freely out of your mouth, you don't even have to think about them. They just come on out. That's the flesh you, okay? Um, you know, you're driving down the street and that person cuts you off and it just flows on out of you. That is the flesh you, okay? So you have the Holy Spirit you that is patient. You have the flesh you, you that can be impatient. But here's what happens, because I want to define who you really are. And here's what happens. When Christ saves you, when you give your life to Christ, you become a brand new creation. The Bible says that the old you has passed away and behold, all things become brand new. In other words, you become a new version of you that has been changed or transformed by the Spirit of God. All right. And when you, when Christ saves you, the thing that he does is he puts or deposits his spirit inside of you. All right. When you fall into sin, then what happens is the motivation or the desire to yield or give into sin is not coming from the spirit of God that dwells within you, because the spirit of God is not going to draw you to sin. It's going to draw you away from it. It's coming from the fleshly nature that is within you. 
That's the warfare, folks. That's the struggle of obedience. Galatians talks about this, right? The thing um, that there's this war that goes on and that the spirit of God and the flesh war against each other. That is the nature of the war. Okay, I want you to understand that. Now, look at verse number 18. Paul says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want you to understand that. The sinful nature, I think he says it in Romans 8, cannot please God. In other words, if you are trying to please God out of your own strength or ability, you cannot do that. How do you do that? The Spirit of God has to do it in you and through you. And by the way, that's actually a good thing because you don't have to depend on your own ability. You can depend on God's strength in you to accomplish what he wants to do and help you to live. Now, notice verse 18 back here. And I want you to just, just listen to this language, right? I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can I ask you this question? Have you ever felt that struggle? Have you ever felt that tug of war? Have you ever felt that battle going on inside of you? Think about it. Have you ever felt like, I want to, but I can't? Ever felt that way? Like, you know what? I want to do this. I just feel like I can't get over to do it. You ever felt that way? Or I want to, but I don't right? I want to do the right thing, but I inevitably don't do it. You ever felt that struggle? Or this one, I don't want to do that anymore, but I do it anyway. Ever felt that one, right? Sometimes there are things you, you feel like you repented over a thousand times and you've told God, this is the last time I'm ever going to do this. Have you ever used that language? And then sometimes you find yourself doing the thing that you promised God, this is the last time that I'm ever going to do that. What you are experiencing is the struggle of obedience. It's this issue of your flesh and your spirit warring against each other. The pull of the Holy Spirit saying, no, don't go that direction. And the pull of your flesh saying, but oh, it looks and feels so good. That is the fight that is going on inside of you. Here's something you need to understand. If you try to fight this in your own strength, you cannot win. You see, the, the, the sinful nature is so powerful and so strong, you can never live up to the requirements that God wants you to live if you try to do it all in your own strength. It is not humanly possible. That's why God gives his spirit and puts it in us to help us live out the way he wants us to live. Um, in, in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said that God said, my grace is sufficient because my strength is made perfect in your what? In your weakness. So here's this, this crazy dichotomy that God has created. The weaker you feel, the stronger you can become. <laughs> Why is that? Because you begin to depend more on his strength. 
that's a secret. It's like the it's like these opposites, right? These these contrasts. That if you want to go high, you got to go low. Well, if you want to go strong, you got if you want to be strong, you got to recognize your weakness because in your weakness, that's where you find your strength because you're not depending on yourself, you're depending on God to be strong in you. Right? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay? Very very important. Take a look at verse 20. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Remember, we're looking at the struggle of obedience, and the first thing we're considering is that it is an issue of the flesh, this flesh, all right? So what's fascinating about God, and I don't know why he did it this way, but he chose to, and I think maybe I have an opinion on it. I don't know if I'm right, but but salvation does not eliminate your sinful nature, okay? For some reason, when God saves us, he does not remove the sinful nature from us. Instead, what he does is he deposits his spirit in us, which gives us the power to overcome it. And you might say, well, why does God not do that? Why doesn't he save us and then take our sinful nature away? And you know what? Um, I don't know if this is the reason why, but I think part of it could be because it allows us to now further relate to those who are still in sin or who are believers and that might be struggling, all right? Because I think if, if he did that, then we couldn't understand the struggle that someone else might be having. We might forget what it feels like to be a sinner. Sometimes you've been saved so long and lived in Christ so long, you forget what it's like to live before Christ. And sometimes we lose our grace and compassion and mercy for people that are struggling because we've forgotten what it felt like to live before Christ or to struggle with things that, that, were, that were weighing us down or overcoming us or beating us up. Sometimes we forget that. And when we do, we become a lot less gracious sometimes. So sometimes God will allow the struggle to remind us that it's not about you. It's about him working through you to, for you to become the person that he wants you to become. Really, really important. What I find interesting about this is that this is the Apostle Paul talking. <laughs> this is one of the greatest, if not the greatest Christian who might have ever lived. And yet, I mean, he wrote more than almost half the New Testament and yet he's talking about the struggle of sin, the struggle uh, between his flesh and his spirit, all right? Look at verse 21. He says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do right, I inev in inevitably do what is wrong. This is the Apostle Paul, and maybe you felt the struggle. He says, I love God's law with all my heart, right? So it's not like he's against what God is saying. He wants to do what God is saying. He's agreeing that what God is saying is good. He actually loves what God is saying. But here, verse 23, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. So again, here's the struggle. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In those words right there, this sums up the struggle of obedience for every single believer, right? I agree God's ways are good. I love God's word. I love it with all my heart. And yet there's another power within me 
that is at war with my thinking and whoever controls the the mind controls the actions right because whatever um you think as a man thinketh in his heart right so is he that's what scripture says so there is this again this struggle this issue of the flesh. Notice verse 24. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. I think the King James says, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Think about that, right? So here's Paul in this struggle. Who is going to free me from this struggle? And notice verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. All right? So the answer to your sin problem is Jesus Christ. And yet, though he's the answer, the war continues. And, and notice here, here's the struggle. This is the issue of the flesh. In my mind, I want to do it, but in my sinful nature, I can't. That's the struggle. In my mind, I want to do it. In my sinful nature, I can't. Now, after all of that, the next verse that Paul writes is so uh, important that, I, that I, it's so vital to your walk with God. Romans 8, 1. And I'm going to read this from the NIV version. I was reading in the New Living Translation before. Therefore, and by the way, as a rule of scripture, whenever you see a therefore, you always ask, what is the therefore? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wait a second. Wait a minute here. That doesn't jive with what he just talked about. He just spent the last few verses talking about the struggle of sin and the sinful nature and the thing that I want to do, I don't. The thing that I uh, want to do, I can't. And the thing that I don't want to do, that's what I do. I've got this war going on between my mind and my, my sinful nature. And then he comes with Romans 8.1 and says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? Because even though there is this war that is going on inside of you, because you belong to Christ, you are not condemned. I, I, I need you to get this, because one of the big lies that the enemy tries to tell you, especially when you sin, he tries to convince you that God is mad at you. Can I say this with you? I share this with you. God is not mad at you. <laughs> Satan wants you to believe that because what do you do when you know that there's a person who's mad at you? What do you do? You avoid that person, right? If you know your mom or dad or your friend or your relative or your sister or brother, whatever is mad at you, you try to stay as far away from that person as you possibly can, right? When you fall into sin, I need you to understand this. God is not mad at you. God hurts for you. And I want you to understand this. He's not angry. He's hurting. He longs for you to come to him in repentance so he can forgive you. See, when you fall into sin, God is not angry, ready to beat you up. It's like he has his arms wide open saying, come back. I want to forgive you. Come back and repent. Because there's, there's something 
awesome about what God does. When God forgives, he forgets. And when he forgets, he will never remind you of sin that he has forgiven you of. In fact, if God is reminding you of a sin that you have committed, it's because you haven't dealt with it yet. So I want you to understand this. God's not mad at you. He wants you to come asking for forgiveness because he longs to forgive you. And think about this, folks. Once you deal with sin, repent of sin, God forgives that sin, and he forgets that sin. Why is this so important? Because, see, if you don't embrace this, if you don't accept this reality, if you don't receive this into your spirit, you will be forever trapped in the mistakes of your disobedience, and you will walk around with condemnation looming over your head, waiting for the hammer of judgment to fall on you. And you cannot walk with God, you cannot enjoy fellowship with God if you are waiting for the hammer of condemnation to fall on your head. You cannot do it. And so if you have fallen into sin, you need to repent. Once you have repented, you need to understand that God has forgiven you. And once God has forgiven you, he forgets that sin. So you can walk forward and into fresh fellowship with the Lord. It is so important that you get this, right? Now, think about this. I want you to understand this, right? Because sometimes here's what we think. We think, you know what? I know I did this thing. And I, and I know I repented, but this thing was so bad that no, God's never going to forgive me. And, and the hammer of God's judgment is eventually going to fall on me. Recognize this, folks. God poured out all of his judgment on Jesus at the cross. All of your sin was accounted for at the cross. The blood that Jesus spilled at the cross cleanses you from all sin. And because of the judgment that God poured out on Christ, God is not mad at you. Your sin has been dealt with. The moment you repent, God washes it in the blood and you are clean and cleansed all over again. That's why we sing that song. You probably remember this, right? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So if you are struggling with obedience because of this issue of the flesh, if you are fighting this fight that Paul is experiencing, and you've even lost some of these battles, here's what I need you to do. I need you to repent. I need you to get up. I need you to dust yourself off, and I need you to keep on moving forward because God is not done with you. You need to get up, and you need to keep moving forward. You need to stop living life through the rearview mirror. Just like you can't drive a car going forward looking through the rearview mirror, if you try to do that, um, eventually you will crash. Now, I don't encourage you to do that, but if you try, you will crash. The same thing is true in God. If you look at life through the rearview mirror, you're going to be focusing on what's behind you instead of what's in front of you. And so I need you to understand this. Even though you are in the midst of the struggle, even though you are fighting with your flesh and your sinful nature, 
even though sometimes you are doing the thing that you don't want to do, and even though the thing that you want to do, you can't or you don't, even in the midst of that, you need to understand that because you are in Christ, you are not condemned. His purposes and plans for you are still intact, and if you will cooperate with him, he will finish the work that he has begun in you. Here's what Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, and I want you to hear this, and I'm about to wrap up this session with these two verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Your struggle is an issue of the flesh. However, God has given you the power to overcome it. And I want you to know today that even though you struggle, even though you might be fighting with this issue of the flesh, I need you to recognize that today there is no condemnation. And if you will lean into and and rely on and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, God will give you the power to overcome the issue of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your people tonight. My prayer is a simple one, that we would understand that the power to overcome the struggle between our sinful nature and our spirit is to depend more on you. And so, God, I pray that you would give your people the grace to tap into and to depend upon and to rely upon the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, recognizing that it will not come by their own strength and promises and ability, but as they lean upon you and rely on you and depend on you, you will empower them to overcome their situation. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, that was just part one of the struggle of, obedi of obedience. There were two other issues we're going to deal with, but we're going to deal with those next week. Now, if you're listening to this and you might be saying, man, you know, I'm still really struggling with this issue of sin, and I've never dealt with it before. I've never given my life to Christ. Well, if you're in that situation, then you can't say that there is no condemnation for you because you are not in Christ. But here's the good news. The Father's arms are wide open. God's love for you is real, and his desire for you is that you would come into his family through the blood of Christ that was spilled for you. So if you would open your heart today and repent of your sins, you can enter into that place where there is no condemnation for you because you're in Christ Jesus. And if you want to give your life to Christ, well, here's what you need to do. Real simple prayer. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life, to forgive me of all my sins, to wipe the slate completely clean, to make me a brand new person today. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, if you've prayed that simple prayer, I have some good news for you. Welcome to the family. God, even though you may not feel it right now, God has cleansed you. God has forgiven you. God has made you whole and brand new. And the best part about it is that even if you don't feel it, it's true. 
you are brand new. There is now no, no condemnation. And so if you have prayed that prayer, then here's what I would like you to do. I'm going to ask you to reach out to us. Send us an email. Send it to hello at thebiblestudyclub.com. And somewhere, either in the title or in the body of the email, just simply say, hey, I prayed the prayer. And the reason why we want, to, want you to do that is so that we can reach out to you and get you some resources that can help you as you start your brand new journey in Jesus Christ. All right, now, if you are still here, just a few things before we wrap this up. First of all, again, if you have not done so, please make sure you like uh, and subscribe to our YouTube page and our like and follow our Facebook page as well. And if you find these to be a blessing and an encouragement to you, feel free to share these, share the videos with friends, uh, neighbors. We also do have a podcast. Go to either iTunes um, or Spotify or any of your favorite podcast providers and just search for the Bible Study Club and you can uh, find us there. If you want to reach out to us directly, our email address is hello at the Bible Study Club. And again, send your letters, your prayer requests, uh, your emails, your questions. We'd really love to, to connect with you. Also, if you want to continue to uh, read more content, you can go to my website, which is clarencehaines.com, or I also write for uh, biblestudytools.com and crosswalk.com. So feel free to go there and you can find articles that I've written that I really believe will be an encouragement to you and will bless you in your journey. We pray that this has been a blessing to you. I hope you got something out of this session. Um, if you did, you can give us some thumbs up. That'd be awesome. Um, and I want you to join us next week. Next week, we're going to continue our, our discussion here, our conversation about the struggle of obedience. This week, it was the issue of the flesh. Next week, we're going to look at two more issues. So thank you again for joining us this session. And we will see you next time in the Bible study.